Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. We're back after a little bit of a hiatus. A lot has happened, um, but as usual, we're here to discuss it all in one one episode. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just hanging out, just uh, you know, enjoying this nice uh, Friday and uh, getting ready to go into the weekend, which is super fun. Um, and you know, I um, quite you know so many different emotions uh, with Louisville sports right now. It's 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 hard to to really parse through them all, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna talk football, basketball, obviously. Probably talk a little bit about the elections. Um, maybe talk some of Top Golf opening up. That'll be fun. But I think we want to mention here. I don't know what happened to me during the Texas and Gonzaga game, but there was a wave of emotions that came over for me when I saw Texas's stadium, the new stadium they have. Um, I saw the atmosphere. You know, they had the, the students pretty much, I think it was right. probably three-fourths of the floor, maybe half. Right. I, don't, I don't really know. Whatever it right. was, they had them facing the TV. Um, and there was just a wave of emotion that came over me that was like, man, I hate the Yum Center. And I think that was probably a bit of a, a, a strong reaction because obviously – as a facility, the Yum Center is one of the premier places in, in college basketball. And honestly, I've been to, I guess, four NBA arenas. And right. it definitely competes with them in, in every respect. Absolutely. But there was a fundamental change in Louisville Athletics when the Yum Center was built. Um, it represented a changing of a lot of things. And honestly, like I think the fan base drastically changed, too, when that happened. Right. And every once in a while, I just get these emotions and I, I just wanted to mention them and see how you felt about that. No, I, it, it's so interesting because, like you said, the Yum Center is is such a nice it's 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 basically an NBA level facility. Right. Um, it's hard to it's hard to say that that's not the case, but. There's so much of it. There's so much of it that feels anodyne, right? Like it feels anesthetic and like um, it does it by no means has that like flavor and um, just what you get when you've been in an arena for a long period of time. And we've been in it now for what, 12 years. And I still don't feel like nothing's ever going to be the same as Freedom Hall, but it just doesn't give you the same level of communityness. I think just the way that it's built, like in terms of like land, Chris, like being in the top level of that arena, you feel like you're in a different place. Like I never, ever felt that at, at Freedom Hall. I've been to enough arenas where I don't feel that way. And I think just because it has to sit in that plot and it just had to go up as opposed to go out. Yeah, it, it does not feel it is really like if you're in the top level of that place, it's clo- it's closer to me of like being in the top level of professional football, like of like of like of an NFL arena than it is like a college basketball arena. No, I think like. I mean, the first game was Louisville Butler. I was there (laughs) as a a student. I'm pretty sure I was there. Right, Um, right. But like, there, it it almost represents like we. You know, they did all the videos in in the dirt bowl, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. did. I've done some other stuff where it's like there's this tangible thing for Louisville basketball to kind of reach out more to the community and right, kind of grab the community in once again, Mm -hmm. and it it almost like. Setting in the upper section of the Yum Center kind of represents the disconnect of the of the city with the fan with like the like the team, right? Like I, I think that's why so many people. This goes into a whole different like conversation of a lot of things, but I think that's why so many people were were gun ho and like hire one of our own because you see all the people that set at the that that fill uh, kind of the the lower the lower bow of the the Yum Center. And I don't want to speak poorly on all those people because I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of big time, good fans there, but there's also just a lot of corporate people that are just going the game just to go to the game. And that breeds a lot of disconnect from the program. And I don't know. I mean, it it just, it sucks. There's not anything you can really do to fix it. Um, I mean, you can try to bring the students around and, and give them a little bit more, more seating. Um, you got to win basketball games if you want the students to show up to begin with. So doing that right now is probably not the best time, but that's, 
you know, sometimes we just talk in this pod. We don't really come to a resolution on anything other than to say it just kind of sucks. It, it feels different. It feels like it's missing something. And I don't know if it's ever going to feel any different. And, you know, I mean, there's plenty of other places that the Yum Center, the, the, the Rupp, uh, Rupp Arena is not the right. same that it was 10 years ago for whatever reason. I, I'd have to speak to their fans, but, you know, I've heard the, the experience there and we talk so much about people attending games and stuff like that. But I think this conversation of like the venue is separate than just like getting people to games because I mean that. Right. That's a great th- point. That's a really a good point. The, the, the Texas arena held 13, 14,000. That's not a, that's not a big, gym by any means and it still wasn't full they said sold out but there were plenty there were empty seats and like i saw them on tv yeah but it felt electric man uh, you didn't see, you saw some highlights of that it game, was loud in there live, man. but it, it, it was rocking and it just and they have and they have like that the like if you haven't seen it like the top part is like built down right so like the like the sound bounces off of it. It's almost like the same concept that they have at like the, the Seahawks stadium. I think they said where it's like, they built it in a way so that the sound, it like stays within the arena. Very and smart. It, and it's, it's 10,000. I mean, for a school like Texas, like 10,000 people to come to arena. It's, it's like actually pretty funny. Like how small that is. If you think about it, like Texas sure. can get a hundred thousand to come to a football game if they wanted. Um, but I, I just totally don't know. You know, like you said, I don't think it's just about, everyone's showing up to the arena. Yeah. It's it's there's um and maybe that comes with memories. I mean, I can think of plenty of amazing moments in the Yum Center that we've had. Obviously, we haven't had as many in the last 3 to 5 years, but it's it definitely a, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a multifaceted conversation though because Absolutely. like half of the Yum Center existence has been spent with Louisville being under the cloud of the NCAA and it's felt different within the program um, since then. So you gotta kind of keep all that, that stuff in mind. But I mean, there's plenty of gyms that sell out all the time that are not loud. So there's something that can be done at those places. And I think the Yum Center is just one of those places. I couldn't agree more. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, we want to hope that we can get, you know, back, you know, obviously the first step is getting people back to the games. First, it's a game back to the games. I think it's performing better on the court, which I think we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, Anything before we hit the intro? Let's go. Let's do it. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. And we're back, Chris. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, Louisville, you know, struggling to get people butts in the seats. Um, I think... A lot of that right now is where things are, where, you know, Louisville's begun the season 0-3, three one-point losses to Bellarmine, Wright State, Appalachian State, by far not, you know, power five powers, not, excuse me, not contenders, Chris, um, but it has been incredibly, incredibly difficult. We will go through this, um, you know, I think we've got some, obviously, stats and things that we can say, but just, you know, as someone who's, you know, you know, we, I'm, I'm sure you've watched every second. Um, what's your overall reaction to where we are? What's happening? Where, you know, whose fault is it? Uh, and, and a just general take on, on this, like, just, just piss poor piss poor start from Louisville, one of its worst starts ever and definitely in modern times it's so funny man because there's just so many directions to go i mean for starters the schedule that louisville played to begin the season was not a good schedule for this team louisville team to be playing you mentioned mm-hmm. that they're not like traditional powers but all these teams have been flirting with the ncaa tournament or in the ncaa tournament in the last four years app state right state and Bellarmine, obviously, they would have been the NCAA tournament last year had they been eligible to, to do so. So, I mean, obviously, these are teams that Lola should be beating. We should always expect to beat them. But that just feels like it should be mentioned. And then you go to Maui, and this is loaded. Probably one of the most loaded Maui set that mm-hmm. there has been in, in, in some time. But something that I've been struck by in the last few days and kind of letting some of the losses digest a little bit more is that, you know, I can kind of see – the vision that Kenny Payne wants to run, especially in the offensive end. So many people text talk about like, you know, what's the plan? What's the plan? They're not running plays, blah, 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 blah. And I get all that. 
Um, because it, it's really just based upon very much a NBA ball screen. If you yes. watch, if yes. you watch an NBA game, you'll see two shooters in the corners. You'll see a big man opposite of the rim because when they switch the ball, they want to get him, you know, a good angle to, to, to get the ball in. Yeah. And that's pretty much what you'll see. And that's what Louisville's running. The funny thing about that is a lot of these concepts are the same thing that Ross McMaines was running last year. <laughs> if you go look at a screenshot, um, just, you know, at the start of a play, pick any random game, especially like early in November. Um, and you'll see that the positional of the players is pretty much the same thing. Right. Uh, so like there's that part of it, but Kenny Payne doesn't have many pro players on this team. So I'm, <laughs> I'm struck by the idea that, you know, you have a guy like Danny Manning where you could say, I'm just going to adapt some of his concepts for a little bit of this season so I can grab some wins because I truly believe if they were simplifying the offense, if they were just running like pick and roll, if they were just doing post-ups, if they were just doing some basic shit that, you know, they could be two and one, they could be one and uh, one and two, they could be three and oh, I mean, it's all conceivable because they were all one point losses. So I, I think part of me, realizing that 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 light bulb hasn't clicked in Kenny Payne's head that damn I should probably try to get some of these wins and and maybe take this way makes me wonder a lot of stuff like just understanding you know aside from the basketball court just understanding where this fan base is what the unrest is and that you know, I I know he understands the gravity of the position because he played but you know you know what I'm saying like there seems like there could be he could take a guy like Danny Manning and he could be like, all right, what did you run at Wake Forest? Let's run right. this for, let's run this for November. Let's right. try to get some of these games and be a little bit more competitive than we otherwise would be in them running this stuff. But the rub with that is I want to install my culture. And if I'm not doing it right now, then I'm never going to do it. So, but I think there's a happy medium there. I think you have to understand that you can't just lose the entirety of the fan base right out of the game. And he hasn't done Which that. He's, he's done but he's, he's, he's teetered with that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's flirting with it, Chris. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I think we can talk about like the specific like coaching parts. I think there's a few things I want to keep. I want because I don't even want to talk about stats too much with this team. Like I mean, I, mean, oh, I was about to, bro. I was about well, to say. I, I well, mean, well, here's here's what I was gonna say. I I, I agree with you. I'm not gonna go in. I'm not going to go in and and like break down like oh here's the shooting percentages. But there is one stat that I think does like to me tell me like what's happening with this team and it's turnovers and it's yeah. not just l ellis's turnovers uh, l ellis is is doing a lot and i think you know he's doing a lot of good um i mean he's he he is 16th in the country in percentage of of possessions used uh 39th in the country in percentage of shots uh, he, he, he's he's ninth in the country in scoring right now i mean exactly <laughs> like he's doing everything so i think that like that turnover percentage but like let me run down like like what people are doing in terms of turnovers that aren't l ellis uh 30.6 percent jalen withers you know turnover rate for jalen withers he's i think he's been great he looks a lot more like him two years ago than him last year but still um 26.1 percent for for mike james uh 14.8% for Braylon Huntley Hatfield um 24.7 for Kamara 20, 24.7% for Kamara Lance who just looks lost by the way the kid yeah. just like I, I I'm like I'm flabbergasted that he looks like just like this this early and scare that scares me but the one what? that just like sticks out and I I want I want to let you talk I'm sorry is is Sidney Curry 43% mm-hmm. um just like he is getting the ball slapped out of his hands on literally half of his possessions and um, Louisville, which I didn't even realize that Ken Palm was instituting this um, is 355th in non-steal turnover percentage, which I believe is like, there's only like what? 357 teams. Yeah. Um, like 358, something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean the, the Sydney Curry stuff, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's became a major talking point within like the fan base and people want to track it back to him being out of shape. And that's probably a part of it. But I mentioned like they're literally on the start of possessions, not to get too, too technical, but they're Mm -hmm. literally like putting him in the post on the opposite side of the ball so they can switch the ball over 
and give him an entry pass and the double when they, when they do it from that angle, the double, which a lot of teams brought late in the season last year is a lot easier to come a lot harder to break. So I think that's probably like, he's just adjusting to some of that. Um, but you know, his, his play has been particularly alarming because you, you know, you expected him to, to contribute, you expected him to give you eight points a game, six rebounds, something like that. I, I think even the Southern fans had higher aspirations than that, but I mean, the turnovers are one thing, but for this team to win, they had to be really, really gritty and not get beat down the floor and not get beaten the pain and not get beaten the backboard. And they're second to last in the ACC in defensive re- rebounding percentage. Um, it seems like every game they play, they ha- they're giving up more points in the paint to teams that are not bigger yes. than them. Yes. So these are things like... There's like, a lot of places this team doesn't, that they don't know how to block out. I, I, I like, I know that's like, that's like, that's like, I'm a middle school basketball coach. Like, but it's legit. Like, how many times have we seen three guys standing around the rim and then a fourth dude from the other team comes in and just jumps and grabs the rebound? Like, it just happens. It happens more often than like it should ever happen for a team, like a, a an ACC team, let alone a team like of this cat of this caliber. I, I don't know. It just it's 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 insane to see that happen here. So God knows what's go- what's going to happen against North Carolina. You know, larger teams. Um, mm-hmm. It's and and, and I, so that's where I want to ask you, Chris. And I think I think. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about coaching. We talked a little bit about system implementation. How much of this, how much of these issues do you attribute to Kenny, to the re- the regime, the system? I think fans have, you know, rightly been upset, but like, how much do you attribute to that? And that's like, that's the type of stuff that drives me insane. And I, I, you know, I want to question the coaching because that's not something I ever expected with this team. Exactly. And But you look at it, and you say, I brought this up on Twitter and then I, I phrased it pretty poorly. So I deleted the tweet because I didn't want to start a whole other conversation. But basically you had that quote from Chris Mack after the Pittsburgh loss mm-hmm. um, where he was essentially questioning, you know, if he was even getting through to the team. And I think by that point he kind of gave it up. But this season we have Kenny Payne questioning you know, these guys aren't practicing hard. And yeah, some of that is on the coach, but sometimes you get some guys and they just don't have it. Right. They, they, they just don't. I I'm struggling. It's terrible for a podcast, but I'm struggling to come up with a concrete strong take one way or another. I mean, you do expect your team to play hard every night. And ultimately exactly. that follows that falls on the coach. But when you've had two, different coaches, two different head coaches say the same, same thing differently. You know, you got to wonder, and then you pulled out guys like that were giving that effort that, that were gritty and, and and those type of players like Dre Davis, who didn't have a whole lot of talent, but was going to get you seven rebounds a game. Samuel Williamson was going to get you, you know, nine, 10 rebounds a game. And that's, the rebounding, man, you mentioned the turnovers and the turnovers will annoy you, but you can't be turning the ball over and not and getting out rebound. You got to win one of those battles <laughs> um, or you're just going to lose a lot of games. I, I want to talk a little bit, you know, more thorough on this team than just saying it's not working. It's a nightmare because the reality is there are a few buckets away from being three and oh, or two and yes. one. And, and, and yes. you're talking differently about them. That that's just, that's just what it is. It's that's the way we, way we are, but they, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, no, I, just, I, I mean, I, I do think, you know, how, how long away does that go towards confidence? You know, like yeah. LLS, LLS point one seconds away from getting that win. The team surrounds him. They're fired up. They're hyped. They go to Maui and Crazy celebration. still get their ass whipped against Arkansas, but they don't come there as just like despondent, which is yeah. just what they've looked like at times. The body language has been terrible. Um, and uh, and that that just snowballs so easily. And this team needs a win, and they're going to a place where it's going to be really hard to get one. It's going to be very well, I mean, hard to do that out there. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. I don't think that they're going to beat Arkansas or Creighton or any any of those teams by any means. But I do think like 
everyone's just kind of assuming that Arkansas is just going to beat him by 40 or whatever. <laughs> I think, I think that they'll look better in those games simply because those teams want to play a little bit more up tempo. That's and they're right. not they're not these teams that want to drive possessions to the ground and that are extremely fundamentally sound. They want to get out and run. And I think we'll, we'll have some success with that uh, be, because of what they're putting out on the floor. I don't know what it's going to look like on the scoreboard, but I do think in general they'll, they'll look better. But man, back to the psychology of this team, it's, they're, they're, it's just so mentally fragile. And that's – it drives you insane because I just – I struggle. I really do struggle to put that all on Kenny Payne. I'm going to rip Kenny, Kenny Payne on the recruiting front, but <laughs> here in a second, <laughs> when, when I'm when I'm looking at Kamari Lands get an open look and take two or three seconds to think about shooting it, that's not on Kenny Payne, man. He can yeah. do everything he can, but the the guy's got to take the shots that are open. Uh, that was I, the number one thing I saw when I, I I was lucky enough to sit in great seats for Wright State and just so many dudes just don't. And you can see it on TV as well. I'm not trying to say, but but just like seeing them talk to each other and, and beg each other, shoot, like who's going to shoot? Yeah. Just who's going to stand? I heard Kenny just yell, shoot, someone shoot. And there's so many times where I just would see two guys make two or three great passes to each other and there's an opportunity to shoot and they just won't. Yeah, I mean they've they've had they've <laughs> it's had so funny it's they've crazy. had moment they've had moments in games. Um, I think the start of the second half of the of the Wright State game where where they're moving the ball really well and it, it looks like they're doing something. They're about twelve. The start of the Bellarmine game, um, it didn't last very long, but they they rushed out to a nine two lead and they they were getting out and running and they looked good and and these brief stretches, right. but that's a guy like Kamari Lange who averaged thirty two in high school. Why are you afraid to shoot? I don't understand that. I mean, Sidney Sydney Curry dominated some ACC bigs. He, he went toe-to-toe with Armando Baycott last year. Yeah. What did he have, 30 points in that game? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are you not demanding the ball and imposing yep. your will? The only yep. player I've seen really impose his will in back-to-back games is L. Ellis. He's trying. Exactly. He's, he's flawed. But, damn, he's, he's definitely – he really, really wants to win. You know that. Jalen Weathers is I've seen I, I I've I think he's shown flashes, but uh, Mike James also as well. I think Mike James is I've been impressed with how he's been a kid coming off an, an Achilles injury. I think the last game he was maybe a little bit a little more yeah. deflated, wasn't quite didn't make quite as much noise. But um, no, you're absolutely right. L. Ellis is the only guy who I think consistently is going to bat for this team. And even sometimes, I mean, maybe it's just because he's playing 36 minutes a game that just will see him sort of like drive, just drive every time, man. Like just drive every time, especially on a team. Like I, I was at Wright State as well as time out. It's like a team like Wright State. It's like they can't beat you off the dribble, dude. Like just, yeah. just, just go to the rim, make them foul you. Mm-hmm. The one thing this team does exceptionally well is, is shoot free throws when they get there. And I want them to shoot more of them. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so we'll see, but um Man, this just looks like, and you know, just I think this is a good way to transition to recruiting. Just looks like a team that needs two or three more players. It just really does. I mean, I I think if you're looking at a best case scenario, this team isn't going to the NCAA tournament. But if you look at like that Memphis team last year, that looked really bad through like 80% of the season. And then they played Gonzaga <laughs> to the wire because they, they, they got to that moment. You're hoping that maybe some of the guys that they have on the floor, I, I, I think Louisville has, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of talent, but I do think they have a great deal of athleticism um, at certain positions. Jalen Withers, L. Ellis, right. Mike James. I think JJ trainer is a good athlete, even though the talent may not be there. Um, I, I think they have athletes that if they can get in those games where the floor is open, um, that they'll look better. You look at tempo for, for Arkansas on Kim Palm, it's in the fifties. Yeah. Creighton's another potential opponent. It's at two forty, but Creighton doesn't play in two forty tempo. If anybody's watched Creighton basketball, <laughs> that'll probably change really quickly. Um, Cincinnati, probably doesn't play up tempo, but some of these teams uh, out there, uh, at least you'll get to see like them in a different kind of look. So I'm hoping I do think they'll look better. They may get be about 25 against Arkansas, but I, I, I do think there'll be some moments in those games where they do look better. Um, but to, to recruiting, that's uh, that's the big story right now. Right. Yeah. Let's reset on this, Chris. I, it's, it's important. I think it's been quite a week. Um, you know, we, I think you and I kind of the, 
for some of these, the writing has been on the wall. Um, but in the last week, there's been quite, you know, there's been developments and there's been rumblings that, and, and that have just, it, it, the, the first six months of the Kenny Payne recruiting campaign has just, it's, it's the, the Kenny Payne campaign. That, that's, that's really, it <laughs> goes great. Um, they've been, they've been shit, Chris, they've been shit. Uh, we were talking about DJ Wagner, who I think you and I both knew for quite a bit was not going to be coming, but a lot of people held out hope. Um, he committed, of course, to Kentucky, completed that crown. He completed that incredible class. Let's call it what it is by John Calipari. Um, you know, wonder what it says about John Calipari's future that he's wanting to have this kind of super class. That's all I'll say about that. Um, but you know, have that happen. AJ Johnson, who was supposed to be at Louisville Live, we learned the day before Louisville Live, he's not coming. Now it sounds like he is having his college commitment. What on Monday? We fully expect it to be Texas, is my understanding, right? Yeah. Um, and then it sounds like um, this now first name is is escaping me, but the Miranda kid trending away from Louisville, the other kind of big um, high end blue chipper prospect that I think Kenny Payne was at one point considered the leader for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kenny Payne is not, you know, is not getting the recruits that I think Louisville fans. I, I, it's not even. Let's let's make this clear, Chris. Let's let's start from 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 the front here. There were fans I think that expected Kenny Payne to come in and do what John Calipari did at at Kentucky and immediately get a brand new, all five star class. Right. So that wasn't that was in disingenuous. Not never going to be the case, et cetera, et cetera. But. I think it was completely fair for fans, you and I included, to really expect not not even necessarily to close the deal on a full 2023 five-star class, but to get those guys in the door for officials, to get to be down there and the, the very end of those decisions and potentially land one or two of them. And now here we are where 2023, that's not going to be the case. 2024, not looking great either. Um. Chris, where are you? You said you're ready to rip Kenny Payne. I think I think I mean, if, there's any, if there's anywhere we can, it's here, Chris. So I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that's re, in, that's not a bad yeah. thing to do, but let's do it. Let's let's. let's I mean, on the on the floor is one thing. Like I, I I try to be pretty measured about what's happening on the floor because I think some of the stuff I've seen online just on both on both sides is just a little out of whack. But the recruiting you made. You hired a first-time head coach with the understanding that this guy was going to get badass players, or otherwise you could have just took you could have took a guy like Kevin Willard, who has <laughs> got got Maryland three and zero, and they're going to come to the I don't know if they're going to come to the Yum Center ranked. I'm looking at Kim Palm right now, but they're going to be a top fifty team, probably something like that when they they're when they play them on Ken Palm right now. Okay, there you go. So like you you made that trade off of understanding that. There may be some growing pains on the floor initially, but you're going to get recruits and Louisville can't even get a visit. They can't even get a visit. They didn't get a visit from AJ Johnson. They didn't get a visit from DJ Wagner. They didn't get a visit from Malachi Smith. They didn't get a visit from Tyrese Hunter. All these guys that they targeted didn't even come in and give, and give Kenny, Kenny Payne a pity visit, man. So I do agree there are a few people that have muddied the waters. There's no doubt about that, that have, that have said certain things. And now they, they are the, um, who's, who's the guy, the, we're all trying to figure out how this happened. They uh, are, I think you should leave. I think you should they, leave they are yeah. that they are Robinson. The, I forget his first name. They are that meme. because they created that environment. Um, that's so, that's so perfect. Yeah. Oh. So, but I'm pissed off about, I mean, it's just embarrassing, dude. Like it's really embarrassing. That's how I feel. How do you feel? I, 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 I don't even know how to put it into words. It's one of those things I get really mad about, but I don't know if I know how to articulate it. Well, it just feels like it's, it's tough to have this happening at the same time as zone three. Right. Cause it just feels, it feels like it's so compounding. It feels like we're in a hole and there's no way out. And there's and the ladder that we have to get ourselves out is going to break on the way up. Mm -hmm. We're climbing on the way up. And 
you know, uh, you can go get it's it's not even you can is you have to go get some guards in this transfer market now if you're Kenny Payne. But where's the confidence that he can close on these guys? And right. I, I can lend credence. I can lend credence to some of those guys. You know, hey, the IARP is about to tell you what's wrong. Like I can lend some credence to that for some of the transfers. I, I can believe that. But when we just continue, like you said, no pity visit. Yeah. DJ Wagner not going to give his grandpa a pity visit? That's pretty crazy, man. I mean, like, come the, on, the, dude, that's like, insane. I I have more when we talk about the on the court stuff and we talk about the mentality of, of the team, I have a little bit more leeway for that stuff because these guys have been through a whole lot of shit and they of course. And you know, sometimes as as a as as a teenager, you never really just get out of that. It's just it's going to affect you for, for a while. But as, as far as it's like a recruiting perspective, man, you got to go, you got to get shit done. Even back to DJ Wagner, not going to Spain. Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. That, that, Remember what Chris Mack did? I mean, you could like, really drop, you could drop the hammer on Kenny Payne for that. <laughs> I, I could, I'd be absolutely furious about that because that is when everything shifted. It may have not made a difference, but even from just an optics perspective, you gotta go. You gotta put, you gotta have Nolan Smith and you there and all Louisville and letting people know you're there. I mean, Nolan Smith said stuff when he get hired that he was feeling, oh, we, 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 we feel that we feel the insecurities from school. They know that Louisville's a threat. You haven't done anything, man. <laughs> like, get out, get off Twitter. Stop tweeting fans and go recruit. I don't yeah. want to hear it. I mean, I just have no time for it, dude. I really don't. We, we. <sighs> Everyone kind of made the pack that they're going to get behind Kenny Payne with the understanding that Lowell was at least going to be in the conversation with elite recruits. Yeah. Whether nobody expected them to get top five recruits until, you know, we were told they were going to get them, but I don't think anyone expected immediate top five classes, but in 2024, it's top 10 or bust. And if it's not top 10 or bust, it's going to get elite guys in the transfer portal. You got to do one. I just have no tolerance for it. I don't think there's any gray area. It, it, you're right. Like it's, it's, if this guy, like, like I said, it's so tough because then we look at what's happening on the court. If this guy isn't, if there's going to be mistakes that are going to be made on the court, if there's going to be, you know, real lack of success. I mean, the only guard that's on, that's, on these classes that's committed to Louisville is a uh, three-star guard um, for next year, um, TJ Robinson for 2024 and uh, ranked 156 in the country. And you know, whatever, but, but, but don't, and then people are like, Oh, he's going to be a diamond in the rough. Like he'll be a four star in the next thing. Dude. But like, we that's we we didn't come here to do the Rick Patino school of of recruitment of we're gonna find the three stars who are actually four stars and maybe low five stars and gonna develop them over the course of four years. Yeah, I mean Rick Patino was Rick Patino was a Hall of Fame coach because exactly. of his X and O's. I don't think Kenny Payne is, and that's okay. That's and fine. That's okay. But we ha- there has to be something that people are, that he's good at that we can point to again and again and again. And we don't have it right now. And if it's not recruiting, then what is it going to be? If it's not recruiting, then what is it going to be? So I think that's like, that's the thesis here. If we aren't recruiting top 25 guys, I'm not asking, I'm not asking for a Cal 2023 class. I'm asking for a guy we can build around. Who is that guy right now? Who's I mean, that guy? Hersey Miller played the most minutes he's played in his college career against App State. He played 25 minutes. What are we doing? Like, I, I don't, don't give me that shit. This is a guy who came from East Tennessee state who played six games, transferred to Ohio state, didn't get on the floor there. So came to Louisville and gets a scholarship. Okay. You want to do it for one year? Fine. I don't want to see it again. I don't need to see Zampane. I don't need to see Zampane on the court ever again. I don't need to see Zampane. I don't need to see Zampane, Chris. I don't need to see Zampane. But we're going to see a lot more Zampane, my friend. Let me, let me say it is surreal to see masterpiece in courtside. It's I mean, her, if Hersey wants to come, Hersey wants to come in and play twenty minutes and not turn the ball over and give four assists and like shoot one one shot, then fine, that's fine. But I I just don't need this guy. <laughs> you selling me that he's going to be some type of difference maker? Just stop. You're lying to me. You're insulting the entire fan base that knows better. 
Just stop. So where, yeah. where do we go from here? Where do we go? I, I, the thing is, is there's no, there's like, I'm answering my own question here. There's no, there's no plan in sight. And, and it's only made worse by the constant murmur, the, the quotes from Kenny Payne that he's not using NIL. He's not that, interested in that's it. A, that's a whole other thing. I mean, I, I think that's I know kind it's of a whole other thing, but like, it can't be, it can't like you, you can't have that be a thing. If it's, if you're recruiting mm-hmm. this shit, right. I guess it, it was, like you can't, they, they can't, they can't be together. <laughs> we, t- we, we, t- we talked about it after DJ. I mean, that was something that a national recruiting writer brought up. I don't know if it was a factor. I don't anymore after what's been said. I don't think it was a factor. I don't think it was a factor with DJ, but I, I certainly believe it was a factor with AJ. I certainly believe yeah. that at this point. Yeah. G- given I mean, what we know about what, what Texas is, is building down there. Um, I, I think it's a hundred percent a factor and it's difficult for me to, to, it's also, and this is, uh, you cannot compare football and basketball recruiting, but it's mm-hmm. really difficult for me to look at one end of Floyd street and see what they're building with Adidas NIL, and then look a block down and see the beautiful dorm and just expect that that's all we're going to, that's all we're going to use. Oh, we've got this nice dorm. We've got this nice locker room. We've got this nice facility. It's an NBA style arena. That's just, it isn't going to cut it anymore. It's not going to cut it. Anymore. I mean, I, I think everybody, any team in basketball, that's not embracing NIL. I don't care about your history. You should be put on notice. If you're, yeah. I mean, if you're Kentucky, if you're Indiana, if you're UCLA, if you're Duke, if you're Kansas, if you're any of those schools that this, this is a, the powers are going to shift if you don't adapt. I mean, I can see it happening in football. There's going to be some school that may be a high end school that doesn't necessarily embrace NIL. That's going to get passed up because I mean, like anything, you want to go somewhere where you get paid. That doesn't seem illogical to me. All these people in, in my mentions, like, Oh, we don't want it in here. Get real. What, what planet are you on? You don't want them here, bro. This has been happening a long time. It's just now out in the open and we can talk about it, <laughs> especially in college football. So, yeah, I just I, I don't have much of a, a, a tolerance for it. I'd love to start hearing some rumors about what players at high end schools are uh, unhappy. So, so we can go ahead unhappy, and start unhappy player season. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you can always get a get a uh, January second semester transfer. They won't be eligible to play, but they can always come um, and, and go ahead and be at the university of Louisville. But yeah. Any, anything else on this? No, I just, my, I, I, I want the official prediction on this podcast that Louisville will be competitive in Maui and it may come back to, to look very bad on me. Um, I can't, but, I can't join you on that trip. Friend. Yeah, I can't, jo- I can't that, paddle. That's out fine. On that one. That's fine. That's I'm fine. Get on that long board. That's okay. Um, <laughs> now they may lose to Arkansas by 20, but I'm going to say if they play Cincinnati, what's, what's this? Do we have a spread for Arkansas? We're not going to have that for a while. We're not going to have it till the day of. So that game's on what? what Saturday? You, Next Saturday? No, it's on Monday. <clears throat> Monday. Okay. I don't know what I'm thinking. We go, what, from, what we go from the United States beating Wales, uh, two to O, yeah. um, straight into, um, competing against Arkansas. Ken Palm still has that as a 76 to 62, 75 to 62 loss. Yeah. So 14 and a half, 15 and a half. If it's anything above 18, I'm taking Wolf. Yeah. I, I just, I could, it could be totally wrong because with, with the more possessions and stuff, it could just turn into a blowout. I just think that Louisville visually will look better, but they got to look confident too. So, I mean, that's if the, they play, that's if, the problem. That's if, the they, problem. if they play with some confidence, um, I think they'll play well because anytime you can't really quantify it with numbers, but anytime like in games, that you've looked at them finally get some up tempo and some and some flow going. I think they've looked pretty well at, at times. Yeah. They've been they've been few and far between. Obviously, I'm not gonna put lipstick on a pig, but um, they they've had a few moments. But you know, that makes sense to me. That makes sense. Let's um, yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll move it on. We'll um, we'll come back to this for now. Um, you know, let's see what hap- what's happening. 
Let's see what's happening on the other side of Floyd Street, uh, Chris. Louisville, you know, we, we we were joking before this. Quite an interesting week for Louisville um, football. They go up against NC State at three at three thirty. Um, unfortunately, an RSN game now because of so the, the terrible tragedy of Virginia that 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 now that has to be that has to be an RSN game, which is which is crazy. Um, but you know, gotta love the ACC's RSN deal. Um, you and I were talking before this, it, you know, I, I literally asked you, what's the deal with Malik Cunningham? What's happening with him this week? It seems like he's not going to play this kind of the vibe. Um, they're maybe just holding him to make sure he's healthy for Kentucky. What? And, and just generally, uh, even, even leading up to Clemson, Chris, I think, I think people were, were very focused on Clemson. We're, we're, we're very interested in that game. It turns out to be a real dud for Louisville for a variety of reasons, some in their control, some out of their control. I think we can talk about that if we want, but I have not heard the buzz for NC state this week. It's really just all been understandably about basketball and the failures of the basketball team. Um, And, and it's sort of given, you know, we joke about sat getting, getting cover on some of the failures that he's had. And here we are again, you know, difficulties at Clemson. And I think we haven't talked about it quite that much. Um, What's your read on this week and sort of these last two regular season Louisville football games. Cause I think this is such a unique spot for this team right now where they are. And especially considering what's happening down the road in Lexington. If they win about 20 against NC state and then lose to Kentucky by three, everyone's furious. <laughs> if they, if they lost to NC state by 20 and then beat Kentucky by three, everyone's no one's happy as hell. No. So that should tell you all you need to know. No one really cares about this game. I will say that there are six wins now, a nine win season with a bowl game is still in play. Which for them to do that, giving all the circumstances, I will officially <laughs> bend, bend the knee to Scott Satterfield if that happens. Not even a question. If they pull off a now win season, I do think the bowl game, if they get to a wins, would be really important because it'll be a decent bowl. But, you know, this week it's probably going to be an ugly game. If you've seen NC State play since Devin Leary went out, I've, yeah. for whatever reason, I've watched them a bunch. I don't usually watch a ton of ACC football, um, but I've watched them a bunch and they, their offense is just really bad without him. Um, they really struggle. So I think people are just kind of assuming that Louisville's defense is going to win this game for them, um, which is kind of crazy from where we were at the beginning of the season, but they've, I think they've earned that the Clemson game for me, it was probably the first loss this season where I didn't look at it as like some indictment of Satterfield. I thought Louisville played well at times that game. I thought they were extremely unlucky. Um, sure. You know, some of the play calls were always frustrating, but I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick them all. You're always never going to be hundred percent happy with everything. Of course. Um, and you know, the officials were, they were just atrocious. They, they were really bad. <laughs> I, 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 I don't care what anyone says. They, they changed that game by at least a touchdown. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just like, I think people are just kind of like whatever on this game. But, you know, if they get the, if this game, there's a big difference between, you know, even beating Kentucky and losing NC State because then you're seven and five. And there's a big difference to me between seven and five and eight and four. Just sounds a lot different. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I don't really know what to make of of like you said, NC State's played really weird. I looked at I looked at their box scores. It's just it's just an odd situation. You know this this kid that's playing. It seems like he does have some juice. Um, yeah. You know, playing backup for him. I think what's happening off the field this weekend um, for Louisville football is much more important. They're basically getting all those big dudes in closing. Mm-hmm. You know, Sats closing the deal on those guys. Their hope, the whispers I've heard, is that they're not going to lose anybody. That would DeAndre, be De, DeAndre Moore's the huge one. DeAndre he's, Moore's the one that if they lose, they're gonna they're gonna lose him. If they're gonna lose yeah. one, they're gonna lose him. He's visited Georgia and Texas in the last two weeks, and they both Texas lost in Georgia. That was when they beat Tennessee. So they were both really good environments, I guess, because Texas had TCU coming in. Don't, so. I don't I don't know. I don't know if there's I mean, maybe it will be. 330 game. Usually you get a decent you get a decent crowd. Um, mm-hmm. not quite an, a nooner crowd. Um, so it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, I, I think it's about going to be the same, um, kind of crowd. So it, it'll be interesting. And, and like I said, what's happening off there and they have what that number two kid, number two kid for 2024 is coming in. Yeah. As well. The wide receiver. I don't, I don't know his name, but you, you start looking at some stuff, man. If, 
next year could be really, really exciting for this team. You get, you, you think maybe Jermaine Lole is going to return. Um, that's, that's that was that, a little that, tidbit. We, we, we may be kind of some of the whispers that I'm hearing you have a, a defense for, for, you know, most you'll get some of the critical contributors back and then you can have a backfield of Tyon Evans, Jamar Jordan and Ruben Owens. Like that's as good as any backfield in the ACC. Um, I, I don't know that Tyon Evans will be here, but even if you yeah. just have Jordan and, and, and Owens, and, and that's Owens. really good. Um, you know, hopefully you get Tyler Hudson coming back. You have maybe a guy like DeAndre Moore who <sighs> watch that guy's highlight videos and you'll be pretty, he is a legit wide receiver. Um, very, very much so. So it does. Yeah. It sounds like Clarkson is, uh, is, is vetting transfer quarterbacks is, is <laughs> That was the rumor I heard is that he's going to yeah. bring in a transfer quarterback to play for a year while, um, while uh, Pierce sits the bench. So even if you had to start the season with Doman though, man, I mean, I, I like, he, he showed me some things every time he steps on the field. I, I don't yeah. know how good he is. He made some plays against Clemson. You have good. Caleb Johnson, who we, we have not seen. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. That what, does not bode well for him that he just can't, yeah. he can't find the the field to me. He's probably going to be, he's probably going to be transferring. I'm sure. So, um, but you know, you have even an offensive line. who has been really good. I, I think pretty much all those that offensive line will be returning. I can't think of anyone that's a senior. Let's see what the, who the seniors are actually. Let me pull up um, please the Louisville football because you have Malik. It's going to be crazy not to see Malik Cunningham at Louisville anymore. Um, Malik Cunningham. Yes. Here. Um, Sonogo, Jalen Carter, Yaya Diaby, Tyler Hudson, Monty Montgomery. So you do lose a lot of defensive contributors. Actually, I said that incorrectly. Right. Um, Chandler Jones, Marshawn Ford, Caleb Chander, Isaac Martin, Marvin Dallas, Braden Smith, Adonis Boone, um, offensive lineman, Trevor Reed, Josh Lifeson, Kendrick Duncan Jr., and Josh Johnson. Um, so some pretty big names on there um, for sure that, you know, definitely want to see people come out and kind of honor those guys for sure. Yeah, 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 Diaby and uh, Snogo and Yasir, all those guys have been just yeah, massive. Really, 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 a lot, really, really fun to watch at the at the end of the season here. All I want to see, all all I want to see this season is to see Yasir Abdullah sack Will Levis <laughs> four times, four times, and put up a four. That's what I want to see. That will, um, I will. If that happens, I will never. Um, say a negative thing about Scott Satterfield again. <laughs> well, we're, we're setting up in a win, in a win. It's got to be in a win. It's got to be in a win. But you know what? That's on the table. <laughs> we're setting ourselves up to where this game just means everything. No matter, I, I think it felt, <laughs> it felt like it, it felt like two months ago that you just want a level to be competitive in this game, and then then it takes all these turns. And by the time we get to next week, I think Louisville's going to be favored if they win. Um, especially after Georgia does what I expect them to do against Kentucky. Right. Um, if you, if you look at, uh, if you look at some of the projections right now, I think Wolf is like a two point favorite. So that's terrible, Chris. I hate that. I hate that, yeah. Chris. I hate that so much. It's wild to say, but it, it's going to, it's going to come down to it, man. We're going to be having the same conversation about this. It, it's going to be a must win game for Scott Satterfield. I don't think he's going to get fired regardless of what happens at this point, just because the way the season has went and the directions it took, mm -hmm. but it's everything, man. There, there may not be any coming back from this. If like they, if they lose by like 14 or something like that may be the point of no return. I, I've said that before. They have to show up. They have to show up. They do it has to be close. Has to be close. I don't think, I, I think, I think he's, he's probably got his next year, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they, I think the fans, the fans will never forgive him. They'll never forgive him if, if he, if he can't figure, you know, get, get competitive with this team and the way that we've, the way that Louisville has played and the way that Kentucky has played lately. Yeah, because, because you've thought for a long time that Louisville was getting, you know, physically dominated in so many games. And that's why Kentucky had so much of the edge. But over the last right. three to four weeks, Louisville, has been the physically imposing team. Exactly. Even against exactly. Clemson, they they stood up. 
they stood, they held their own in the trenches. I thought throughout that game, I never felt like Clemson was really overwhelming them. I think Clemson just made some plays and had some better players. I'm fine with that. Um, but you look at Kentucky's offensive line and you look at what Lowell's done this season in the backfield. Two, 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 two questionable offensive lines <laughs> like <yeah>. Kentucky's. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it just, maybe we, we need to try to, Maybe find a Kentucky guy to get on to to see how they feel about that game um, next week if we record next week. So maybe, maybe that's that might be a good idea. Um, anything else before we move into our last topic? Nah, man, I'm good. Cool. Well, uh, it's been several days since election day. It's uh, it's been over two weeks. I didn't even realize election day was it was it on the eighth or was it on the first? Eighth, right? Oh, okay. Maybe it was. I thought it was the. Man, I could be making that up. I don't know, man. I've had a hell of a week. I've told you about that. You know about all that stuff. So time is just. <laughs> That's true. Irrelevant. That's to me. true. Um, uh, someone's like screaming, like, these guys are idiots. Like, when was election day? Yeah. Um, fine. But anyway, we wanted to cover it really quick. You know, we've talked, we've talked enough about and We've talked plenty about it that we needed to recap it. Um, you know, what, what, it, it, I'm like not talking great at all. Um, you know, we statewide, we see, you know, basically Kentucky's Kentucky Republicans really um, dominating in a lot of, you know, a lot of different ways. Um, you know, Charles Booker really, I think what we thought underperformed um, what maybe we expected locally. Greenberg wins very close comparatively mm-hmm. to other races. Um, I think you know, there was the statewide, there was the, you know, the amendment to the abortion amendment failed, which was great news. And I, I was really keying in on that. And I'm, I was really, really happy to see that. And I have some friends who worked really hard on that. So very appreciated for their work and their success. Um, but, you know, it, it was kind of a weird election and um, both were, there were definitely some losses, especially in in some of the state legislature, but I was curious on what you thought, um, especially locally um, in some of the races. What, what, what's, what's your take on the the close one between uh, Deerf and Greenberg? Well, I thought the, the mayor's election was kind of indicative in a weird way of some national politics, how there had been, there, there were so many Republicans that still voted for Deerf, but may have voted differently on the abortion amendment. Yes. Um, and how, you know, the last probably month or two months, I think net nationwide nationwide that that Republicans had kind of really softened their tone on abortion and, and moved more to inflation and things like that, which is wild to me that that they didn't really concentrate on inflation 100 percent of the time to begin with, <laughs> because I think if they did, then someone else may have different control of the Senate right now. Um, yeah, I thought their messaging throughout the last two months was very non-consistent and very weird. Um, but that was my main takeaway. I mean, I think there are a shift slowly, but surely in time um, of voters in the city of Louisville. I think it's becoming a little more red. Um, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to ignore that. I thought this race would be really, really competitive. I honestly thought it would even be a little bit closer than it wound up being. But again, you just saw Greenberg really just dominate anywhere west of the 65 corridor outside of like Shively. Um, yeah. It was just all blue. And that doesn't, that, I mean, at the end of the day, that doesn't really show any signs of changing anytime soon. So, yeah, it's kind, you're of, either, it's kind of the B rows on. No, it's true. I mean, you're either growing or you're, you're, you're losing, um, folks, you know, kind of, kind of in terms of, you know, the vote share, I think um, it's very rare that things stay the same politically. People are always changing and, and, and generations get older and, and views change. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think it does say Deerf was a perfect candidate, I think for Republicans, you know, he wasn't yeah, too like a moderate, like a moderate, you know, say what you will, but, you know, Greenberg, like really tried to t- like, you know, pin him to abortion, which I think worked. Um, but, you know, 
I think a lot of people just want it. A lot of people hate, hate Greg Fisher on all, on all sides. And um, I, I think saying, Hey, here's a guy who's been a mayor and, and like, Hey, I've had this uh, similar job before. Like you're going to, you know, are you going to vote for someone who's never done anything like this or et cetera, et cetera. And, and that, that works when you're dealing with this type of thing. Right. So if it's, if yeah, it wasn't thought- going to work for green for a deer, if I think, I don't know if they're there, it's going to be a long time before they have a mayor, I think uh, a Republican mayor, if it's going to be like this. I thought he ran a good, good campaign. I yeah. mean, I really did. Especially I, I sticking you, to we, like sticking to the whole mayor thing and using yeah. his past experience and not letting that hurt him. Because when you have such an unpopular mayor, like that you're trying to replace using that kind of whole experience thing that can run the risk of people saying, why do we just want to get this guy again? He's, he's the same like Greg Fisher, yeah. but he was able to kind of flip that on, on yeah. the Greenberg in a lot of ways. I think the the perception of Greenberg from probably some independent voters or, or some just, you know, people that kind of vote both sides are, are that Greenberg's not different Fisher at all. Really? Yeah. So, and I, I, I told you even, you know, in text messages, I went to several events where I saw Deerif and not Greenberg. And it yeah. turns out that Deer that Greenberg was like, and, and I had some folks say like he went to every West Louisville picnic, get together, church Sunday, went to every single church on a different Sunday. Uh, he was and all that, over that, West that ultimately made the difference. And that's what made the difference. So like, you know, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I'm like smarter than his people, but um, you know, I think that did that, that I, I did say that to several people. I was like, man, I'm at, I'm at this Nulu festival and here's here's dear bill dear and i don't see craig greenberg anywhere like what's yeah. what's going on here and um you know he 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 worked on working the areas that he he needed to work and get those people out to vote and it worked so i do wonder you know you were talking you know you expect it to be closer if there wasn't a statewide referendum on abortion does craig greenberg win I think that's a question worth asking. That's maybe, yeah. I think it's I, absolutely. I think that's, I, I, I don't know if he loses, but I think it's much closer. It's closer. Yeah. You know, we're talking about percentage of uh, percent. Greenberg ended up winning by like six points, which I know people are like, oh, six, that's not that big, but that's big in politics. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, like, I, thought it was, I thought it'd be closer to like the three or four range. Yeah, so I was a little yeah. off on that. There was a moment for maybe about 10 minutes where it looked like, things might be really competitive and then <laughs> dear, they kind of quickly it away. Were like, all right, it's going to be a late night. And then everything yeah. that happened after that was just like Greenberg is going to win this thing, which I thought was yeah. so funny, man. I thought, uh, you know, just, it is what it is, but it's, you know, it seems like a decent guy. I've heard people who, you know, think much more similar to you and I say he's a you know decent person. And even though they may disagree that he's always heard people out. So, you know, seems like he'll be around. Let's see how the transition goes. Um, I don't know. It'll be, it's going to be an interesting, interesting having a new mayor just generally. Um, I'm really hopeful that, you know, there, there was a few losses in the Metro council. Mm -hmm. I'm like a nerd like this. And like, you know, I'd love to see a few things like, like removing, removing parking minimums. Like no one knows what that is, but I'd love to see like some specific things done. And maybe there's some momentum to get some of that done. I will say people who listen to this podcast care, um, Dude, I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I don't think uh, sports betting's happening anytime soon. Like just the people who won for the Republicans in the in the in the House. Um, you know, obviously they lost the guy who won, who or who who writes that bill every year. He's uh, Adam Koenig. He had already gotten primaried and beaten, and I think Jason Nemus is now is going to take that on. But um, and he has a position of leadership. Um, you know. And Jason, Jason Nemes had a pretty big battle uh, for most he of the did. night. I don't know how much he ended up winning by, but I, I don't remember how much he ended up winning by, but I think it wasn't, it was close-ish, but not, not, not razor thin margins. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so there was definitely movement there. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I think but like you're going to hear a lot about, I think you're going to hear a lot about public transport probably in the, yeah. in the first year under Greenberg, that seems to be his so thing. I don't know how much tangible is going to get done. I hope a lot. Um, but I, he's already kind of hinted that on, on like social media, um, about a department of transportation, you know, about a department of transportation. That's been a thing for a while that we've talked about. Um, yeah, but Louisville doesn't have a department of transportation, which is a lot of cities do a lot of cities. Are <laughs> a lot of cities do game. They do. Um, do you have any uh, takes on Charles Booker? I don't really have a lot to say. But you you did have a I think you had a thought on kind of the abortion amendment and um, Charles Booker and I will, where it kind of yeah, energy went. I don't know. I will. I will. Um, it, it did seem like um, 
just like as a person who has a lot of friends who work in politics, it does seem that a lot of like the younger people that maybe would have worked on Charles Booker campaign and like gotten some of those folks, maybe, maybe made that a bit better of a statewide effort. Like I think those people were working on the amendment on the abortion amendment. There was a ton of energy, especially young female energy um, working on that, obviously, which, you know, like I said, I have several friends who are involved. Shout out to them. And, you know, that was a huge, huge, huge win. I really can't stress that enough. And I think that just tells you, you know, if you're a person who who believes certain things and that when you think about issues, there are a lot more people who agree with some of the issues that Democrats run on than um, than you might expect um, in the state of Kentucky. So it's it's I think it's a it's a nice foothold to build on. It's going to take a lot of building to get, you know, some of the things done. I, and um, it will be super interesting to see. Um, but generally, I, I, you know, I did poke in on Matt Jones had like a little like election day. And he talked about the fact that, like, you know, Charles Booker was always going to run the campaign. He wanted to talk about the things that he wanted to talk about. He talked about like the Kentucky New Deal, the Green Deal, Green New Deal, stuff like that. And that stuff just doesn't resonate in a lot of places. I will say it was interesting to see Charles Booker actually do well in the play in like Eastern Kentucky. He did like comparatively super well compared to especially Biden. Um, not so much, uh, you know, uh, I think just Mitchell McConnell, maybe not not as popular out there, but um you know, he did. If you look at those maps, he did really well in that area, which was quite interesting to me. Um, so uh, I think I think that that's something to you know to consider moving forward. Um, before we close this out, one more political thing I wanted to say: Andy Bashir, ballin, ballin, medical I, marijuana. I mean, I. I'm what a gonna power get to, What a power I'm gonna is. I'm gonna get to the point when he gets reelected. He is at one point. Maybe it's not gonna last long, but he's gonna be one of the most popular governors of Kentucky in my life. He's almost. He's the most popular Democratic governor in in the, the in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's crazy, man. The the about face. But now here's what's great about like, and if you're unaware that he made an, you know, Andy Bashir made an executive action that made um, medical marijuana legal starting January. You can go purchase it from a state that it is legal and now have it in Kentucky up to eight ounces, which if you're not familiar is a lot, (laughs) not an insignificant amount of of marijuana. (laughs) It's not a low amount, Um, but here's what what are Go, actually, go ahead. Sorry. Well, let me say this. Here's what happens now, because I, I saw this take from Philip Bailey, and I thought it was like a perfect distillation of like what a genius move this is. Now he says this is legal. This is he said, I got the this the, the majority of Kentuckians want this. He's using that, which is true. And um, so now Republicans either they have to say, oh, the process is wrong. Oh, you know, I agree with this. Well, who cares about the process? You know who's you know who doesn't care about the process of executive orders versus legislature? Random people. Random normal people. I mean, that's (laughs) kind of what I care about that. That's kind of what I was getting to is is what are Republicans going to run on against him? It's not gonna be COVID. It looked like for a while that you could crush him over that. It's probably gonna get brought up. I think the the executive session power thing however they're that whole situation works to biden they're going to try and yeah. connect him to nancy pelosi they're going to try and connect him to chuck schumer they're yeah. going to do the same thing and it works a lot of the time but i think andy has done enough that he has a really good argument it's like don't who like i'm not involved with those people and and i do think i do think longer like over the long period of time we have seen that does that doesn't quite matter as much anymore like, I yeah. think people are tired, especially Nancy Pelosi, like uh, uh, like she's gone now. Like, are people you're going to come in and say Hakeem Jeffries? You know, oh, man, uh, <laughs> Andy Bashir, best buddies with Hakeem Jeffries. Who knows who Hakeem Jeffries yeah. is? It, it, no one it, it knows who that is. <laughs> I, I don't know a lot of things that will <laughs> resonate beyond you know, inflation and, and things like that. Um, That's a question is what does the economy look like in eight months? That's my, a great question. <clears throat> my headphones are going out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to say on the podcast that right now I'm predicting a double digit win for Andy Bashir. <laughs> double digits. Double digits in the state double of Kentucky. Digits. I don't know double, about double digits. digits. <laughs> double digits. Double digits. A little overzealous. But let me say. I, I, I think he can win pretty comfortably right now. That's how I feel. But we'll see who the candidates are. 
We've got I want, two years I want or a year. Oh man, it, it's and that's the other thing is the Republicans are just going to tear themselves apart. That's going to yeah. be an absolute shit show. If you're, yeah. you know, if you if if you want to know what what Trump versus um versus DeSantis is going to look like, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. Louisville, Kentucky, I'm very, next, I'm very excited. In the next six months, in the next six months, you're going to find out what that looks like <clears throat> because it's going to be wild. Um, I guess we'll leave it there, Chris. If we're losing you, um, any any last words before we log this thing down? I might have already lost Chris. That's how bad. That's how. <laughs> In that case, we'll shut this down. This is pretty great. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, uh, we will have some kind of meeting. Um, we will have meeting. We'll, ha- we'll have another recording next week. Uh, shout out to all the homies watching the USA on Monday. Go, go, USA. Um, go cards as well. <laughs> <laughs>